hear the voices of our young church. So I don't know how much time I'll have, so we'll see how we do. We're glad they're here. We're so grateful for this chance. There's a lot there. There's about three things I want to try to focus on. But before that, just a quick little nugget. If you just want to hold on to this and get distracted for the remaining 20 minutes. Um, I know we already started. It's good. Um, Lazarus, that, that image that Jesus told, this story that it seems like he invented on a whim. What, amazing, what an amazing mind of Jesus to come up with this story on a whim. But there is this image of the poor man outside of the wealth of the house of the rich man. And we'll get into that, but it's interesting if you switch it around. I was Lazarus, the poor man. You and I were the ones poor in our sins, broken, wounded in the sores of our sinfulness, and outside of that beautiful house of heaven with all of its richness and treasures and healing grace and comforts and consolations. And how did our Lord, the rich man, treat us? Did he leave us there? Did he ignore us? No, he reached out and came to us. That's why they got the Alleluia verse today. He who was rich became poor to enrich us in our poverty. That's how he handled the situation. That's what he did first. That's who I am to him. Someone with no claim on his wealth or his richness to whom he gave all of it. So food for thought, if you just want to hold on to that. The message, though, for the rest of it, we've been hearing this over and over again every single week in this last six or eight weeks from the Gospel of Luke. Our Lord continues holding us accountable, reminding us that we will be held accountable for the treasures, the talents, the time that he's invested in us, in our personal lives, in our abilities and talents, in the wealth that we have, our luxuries, our first world country clubs and travel opportunities, all those things, our families, our children, their Christian leadership formation. I'm held accountable for that. How much am I investing in those things? How am I using those resources? Well, my role at work or at school, the impact I'm called to have there, how's that going with the time I've been entrusted with there? Our Holy Family Parish community and resources material and spiritual gifts. Those need to bear fruit, he's saying. Every chance I have to come to receive our Lord in Holy Communion, it's supposed to be making a difference. The opportunities for confession, and, and, and confession, am I using those opportunities? Am I bringing others to use those opportunities? So many resources to equip each one of us, priests, parents, grandparents, godparents, to have an impact on our children, their peers. Think about the PSR program that just started. Our co-workers at work, our friends, our world, we're supposed to be making a difference with all that God has invested in us here. So whether it's, it's Higher School of Religion, CCD, whether it's Adult Faith and Fellowship on Tuesday nights, form.org, social concerns, really the material outreach to those in need, our acts retreats, our couples night, little footnote, we'll come back to this, but I just heard about a women's retreat, a women's silent retreat, who doesn't want a, a time to get away from the craziness for three days. And it's going to be canceled for lack of participation if more people don't sign up. Like, those are huge opportunities. Our Lord's like, are you using them? Material gifts are building across the way. The resource that is right there. Am I making sure it can happen? Have I taken part in that effort? We're being held accountable for God's opportunities for us. We talked about this kind of indirectly a few weeks ago about forming welcoming communities. Am I reaching out to others to make sure that they have what I have been blessed with? We do sit drowning in the gifts and blessings 
of God. So many of them, material and spiritual. And I do want to commend all of us. You're here today on a Sunday. You've taken the effort, especially our young church. Thank you guys for really making the effort to be here to really try to invest and make good on God's investment with the gifts that He's given us. We do want to drink fully of what's being offered today. We commend so many who have responded and taken part in different ministries, social concerns for the poor, our outreach to share the faith with our brothers and sisters, to nourish them. And I think our Lord is just kind of calling all of us out in a certain way. Footnote, Father always has to preach to all of you, but you're all in different circumstances, so each of you has to receive what God's trying to say to you. And so our Lord uses this image to warn us not to be like a rich fool, that we might be guilty of sitting there in our, our royal purple new suit, looking at ourselves in the mirror for different reasons or whatever, and just kind of sit there and say, well, I'm doing okay, you know? God has blessed me, and I give to the collection, and I have friends who invite me over, and I invite them over, and I don't judge anybody, I don't correct anyone, much less invite them to come to God's mercy, because that would be judgmental to call them out. So. I don't have to pay my kids public school education, some have money to spend on their travel ball and their dance teams. I even go to Mass on some Sundays. And while I'm washing dishes, I have my monologues with Jesus that I call prayer. I'm doing all right. And our Lord would kind of call us out a little bit. Our Lord sends messengers to call us out. Woe to the complacent. Woe to ourselves when we feel like I'm doing enough. The minimal is okay for me. We hear it over and over again. So many preachers and, and people sent to us in different ways, the church, the Bible. Woe to the complacent. We lived in luxury, complacency, almost with a plethora of blessings and resources around us, while every headline in the news reminds us that our world is not okay. Still. COVID seems like maybe it's kind of, maybe sort of, I don't know, Maybe it's better now, but it doesn't mean our world's not still very sick. A lot of things for us to think about, crime, oppression, poverty of our brothers and sisters, even down the street. Those who can't pay their electric bill and they live right down the street. The teenage depression, the increasing suicide rates, the political corruption that's real, the manipulation, so easily manipulation of public opinions by social media. Our own selves, we're not able to answer some basic questions of what does the church teach? What do I stand for? Our brothers and sisters, we're not convinced of what we have, and therefore we're, we're struggling, caught up in so many different currents. We're starving. We're not okay. Don't get me wrong, in the USA and the whole family, there's a lot of generosity here. Again, we're to be commended for so many times we do respond and we give, like even just think of during Ida, so much outreach. So much wealth was poured in to help those in need. But in our minds, sometimes, oh, the storm's over. I can go back to normal and sit in my rich house, enjoying my life and taking care of my loved ones and missing so much need around me. So many right down the street don't know God's love and hope, and we step past them without even trying to feed them or nourish their faith. Maybe the axe retreat, maybe I don't feel like I have time for that right now, or it's not for me. Did I think to offer it to a friend and invite a friend to take advantage of something like that? Again, we talked about those who don't feel welcome here, those who don't know that this is a place for them. 
Look around you for what it's worth. Just take a moment, look around. There's a lot of open, empty seats here. This church holds close to 700 people. Where are they? How come they don't feel like this is for them? You have God offering himself in the Eucharist for everybody. Who's at fault that they're not here? We are. Our Lord holds us accountable. So much was given to you. What did you do with it? So the message in today's image, Jesus' story, God laments. In the first reading, you watched the collapse of Joseph, meaning the people of God, and it didn't make you sick. Or even if it made you sick to see that corruption or those people suffering around you, you didn't do anything. It motivated you maybe to sit there and say, gosh, that stinks, sorry for them. But you didn't engage. You didn't get in the game. You didn't make the difference. Our Lord laments in today's gospel, today's whole message, woe to the complacent. It's interesting, we hear about like, gosh, Father, stop making me feel guilty. I hate this Catholic guilt. I don't know, for what it's worth, I feel like Jesus, maybe out of love for us, because he knows what's at stake, does employ a little bit of, hey, you should feel unsettled with the situation. You want to call that guilty? Call it guilty, that's fine. Guilt and pain, a little distraction, guilt and pain are very parallel. When you take your hand and you put it on the hot stove and you feel pain, that's a good thing because the pain is telling you, hey, there's real damage being done. Stop what you're doing. Change what you're doing. Guilt is like moral pain. Hey, what you're doing or not doing is causing damage. Your failures in love are not okay. You were called to be sensitive to the needs of your brothers and sisters, and that sensitivity is pretty insensitive. That needs to change. So there's a moral pain of, I need to do something. I need to change something. So out of love, our Lord does call us out today. The um, rich fool from heaven, or from hell rather, that image of, of like in the, the torment, as he cries out to Abraham. I think that's a beautiful image. Listen to this. I think that's a beautiful image, tragically, of secular society today saying, well, Lord, I, I thought if it mattered to you if, you, if you really cared that we would fall away from you or be separated from all eternity from you, well, that you might have sent somebody to warn us. You might have done that, Lord. You might have even sent somebody who rose from the dead to tell us so that we change and don't fall away from you from all, for all eternity. We don't end up in that place of torment. Why didn't you send somebody, Lord? Can you hear the crickets of our Lord looking at us saying, how did you miss it? Secular society today says, God should do more. What more could he do? I know, Madeline, hello. Look at the cross. Look at Jesus on the cross. That's not just some poor man, Lazarus. That's his only beloved son that he gave up for us. In our world today, we hear so often, I think the church should stay out of personal or political affairs. The church should just be quiet. Stop talking, church. You've got nothing to say. Well, that's what we told God we would want. Like, if it was really so serious, why don't you send somebody, God, to warn us? That's exactly what the church is, when it's popular and when it's unpopular. 
When it brings more friends to the church, and when certain people leave the church because the warnings are a little too sensitive, a little too close to things I'm too attached to and don't want to change. Stay with me a little bit. Imagine the scene. Imagine the story had continued a little bit with Abraham, when the rich man called him, Abraham will, will send, I love this, like, well, send that poor servant Lazarus. He still doesn't get it. Anyway, what if Abraham would have said to the, the rich man, okay, you get a second chance. Go back with your life changed. And yes, like you asked for, go warn your brothers and sisters. Good, Madeline. Go warn your brothers and sisters. Go tell your peer groups what you've learned, what's been revealed to you. Sincerely, I want to ask you, those peer groups, how would they have responded to this rich guy coming to them with his life changed, saying, listen, you've got to change. This is serious. How do you think your peer groups would respond to you when you have a deep conversion in your spiritual life and you try to share what you've received with them in our secular society today? Do they receive it? Or do they say, wait, who are you to judge me? Why do you think you're better than me? It's not about being better than you. I've been given something and I want to share it. I just say that because I think a lot of times we're like, well, people might think I'm too holy, so I just stay quiet and I don't share with them the riches and resources I've been given. You can't do that. You can't allow that to happen. We really can't keep everything God has given us to ourselves and not bring it out in season and out of season. We have to. The world asked for it and sometimes doesn't know how to receive it, but it's on us to give it as best we can and not hold back. So I'll kind of land the plane here, but I really want us to think about this. It, it, it keeps coming up a lot. The collection today is going to go around. This story is very much about the material needs of our brothers and sisters. Make sure we're contributing to make that difference. But there's more ways than that that we need to be attentive to. Sometimes money is the easy thing to give. But what about myself, my time, my talent, my own commitment to make that difference? What is a parish? I'm not going to get too much into this now, but I think if God is calling all of us out and God is calling all of us to respond, the idea of the parish is that mobilizing force so that all of our efforts, all of our responses can be coordinated like a body, each one having my role, your role, to make a, a strategic difference and not just kind of chaotic, each one doing their own thing separately, to really bring significant change for the better. That's what the parish is trying to be. It's a call to get involved in that. That's why it's called the body of Christ, to engage in what's going on, whether it's financially, materially, the buildings, the collections, or spiritually, teaching the faith, passing on the gifts of God, the warnings of God to our society today. Whether it's the Axe Retreat, or like I mentioned, the Women's Spiritual Exercises, the Quiet Retreat, those, those times, those resources that are there to use them myself or bring them to someone else, or even both. But really to get connected to what's going on, to be a part of it, to, to tap into the Facebook, the communications. I know our communication is it's definitely getting better, but we need to be able to spread that word quickly to others to make it happen for them. And whether it's, it's think about this, for, for the spiritual, maybe, maybe we're scared of that image of, of hell, so our fear or our guilt motivates us, take it, because our Lord's using it out of love. But watch this, we talk about the empty pews. 
if I don't do my part today, and if we don't work much more together today, again, we have the Eucharist, we have salvation offered to us. Why do we think that there's going to be even a church here tomorrow? At the rate things are going, at the, the, the aggression of secular society challenging our faith, the faith of our children, and we're just kind of sitting there complacent in our comfortable churches or whatever, receiving and receiving and receiving, but never engaging in trying to give back, then we might lose a lot. I think that's all our Lord is saying. Time is limited. Make sure you're making the impact you're called to make before you no longer have time and the opportunity has been taken from you. We ask our Blessed Mother to intercede for us that we realize what we've been given, that we realize the blessings we have, that we realize what's at stake. Because we've said this before, the only thing needed for evil to triumph is for the good people to do nothing or to settle for the minimal. Woe to the complacent. We were the ones lying in pain and agony in our sins and our poverty outside of Jesus' own heavenly door. He reached out to us. He became poor for us to be enriched. What am I going to do for my brothers and sisters outside of my door, spiritually and materially? Amen? Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, pray for us.